you are listening to Quality Time, a podcast designed to support Nebraskan providers through their journey with Step Up to Quality. I am your host, Colleen Schmidt. Get ready to listen as we prepare to elevate each other as we step up to quality. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I am speaking with Erica Timperley and Natalie Hanna. And they are going to share with us some really good information about the why behind the ERS tool. So I'm so excited to have both of you here today. Yay! Thanks for saying yes. Uh, I'm going to start with Miss Natalie. Can you start off, Natalie, and share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and anything you want to share about your journey <laughs> and background in early childhood education? Well, hi, Colleen and Erica. Thank you for having me today. Um, I am a mom of two teenage daughters, and I have been married to my husband for almost 20 years. I live in Kearney, and I own and operate my licensed step-up-to-quality five-star rated family child care. My first unofficial job in middle school was babysitting. I loved being responsible and caring for young children as I was an only child. After college, I graduated with my business degree and began working as a human resource manager. Immediately after learning we were expecting our first child, I began the search for childcare. Like literally just after finding out I was pregnant, I was I was type A, I needed to <laughs> I needed to get stuff secured, get stuff in order. I started making phone calls and driving by prospective providers' houses. I began making mental notes and discounting each provider for various reasons. It turns out I had unrealistic expectations and found fault in each provider, even though I have later become colleagues with those very same providers and they really don't have faults. I am just a little extra. (laughs) Because I was having such a hard time finding the perfect fit for our first child, I decided to step down from my corporate role and opened my own family childcare. I had no formal educational experience with early childhood beyond my years of babysitting from middle school through through college. Fast forward over 15 years. Yes, I am dating myself here (laughs) and my program, which isn't something I would have called my daycare at the beginning of my career, has Mm -hmm. taken a 360 degree turn. I now proudly share that I don't care for the day and am a family child, child care, early childhood educator. It's a mouthful. I mean, it's easier to say daycare, but honestly, Hmm. along my journey, I have partnered with numerous initiatives such as the Teach and Wages Pilots and have returned to college to pursue my formal early childhood degree. I've taken hundreds of hours of early childhood courses, curriculums, and anything related to child development. I found my passion, profession, and calling caring for and teaching young children birth through age five. According to the CDC, 90% of a child's brain develops by five, by age five, and how the brain grows is strongly affected by the child's experiences with other people in the world. This statistic drastically stood out to me, and it became my professional motto to do everything in my power to help children's development and experience in a loving, caring, and supportive home-like child care atmosphere. Ah. First of all, I love when we do these little intros because Natalie, we've known each other for a few years through uh, mainly through step up to quality professional development opportunities, 
But I didn't know any of that about you. I didn't know you started in the corporate world. I would have never guessed that. I would have thought that this was like, you know, some folks are 18 years old and they say, what do you want to be? And we all know. And it's like, I'm going to do this or I'm going to work in early childhood. I did not know that about you. I do know that you have a growth mindset. And I think that's so reflective in your story, especially when you're talking about going through the teach program and wages and still earning your early childhood degrees. So uh, I can't wait to dive into to all of this with you. I love what you said. It resonates with me about uh, I'm not type A, but I am pretty particular when it comes to care for my own kids. So I totally get what you're saying on that. So Ah, thanks for that intro, Natalie. I'm, that was perfect. So glad to have you. Erica, share with our listeners a little. Maybe there's things I don't know about you, Erica. I don't <laughs> you, but gosh. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'll have any surprises in store for you. But I agree. I love hearing that background about you, Natalie, because I've only seen you as a provider and in that role. And then you, you know, you hear the history, which you've never heard before, and it just has a different um whole outlook on it and this journey that's taking you here. Um, so that was awesome to hear. So my um, my role right now is with NDE as the anchor for these ERS tools. So that's the itters and the eckers and the fickers. So right now what I do is go out and do trainings with the authors of the tools in North Carolina because that's where they're located. And then I take back Everything that they teach us, all the updates, anything that's been, you know, looked at differently. And I bring it back to Nebraska and to our team of observers and make sure that all the observers are seeing things the same way for those ERS tools. So no matter who would come into your program, it is going to be looked at the same way and scored the same way. So that's my role currently. But how I got there was like, I think all of the observers um, working in childcare. So I worked in and center-based childcare for years. Then when I graduated college, I moved to Texas and I worked for childcare licensing there. So then trying to explain to people even what childcare licensing is, because people have no idea. People don't have a good understanding of early childhood, um, childcare, anything before kindergarten. There's just mm-hmm. not an understanding there. Um, so working at, at licensing in Texas, when I came back to Nebraska, I was able to stay home with my babies when they were babies for a while. And then as they started getting bigger, I started working at UNL and I got into using the class tool and iters both for the research side of it. So we weren't giving that feedback to programs. We were just using it to look at the, the research and what impacts do these tools have on these kids as they continue on into those elementary school years and even further. So then going through that, I kind of found out about Step Up to Quality. It was new. It was exciting. It was something that um, was just coming into Nebraska. And I was really excited to be able to start coaching with Step Up to Quality. And I coached for about five years. And then I slowly transitioned to doing more trainings and observations for Step Up to Quality instead of the coaching piece. And it's so fun, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. You get to work with so many people and across the state. I'm in Lincoln, so we kind of get, you know, in our bubble. And Mm -hmm. it's such a great opportunity to talk with people and meet people 
all over Nebraska. My favorite part too, is being able to see all of the amazing things that our providers are doing. I mean, we're really, I know we're biased, but I think Nebraska is really cool. <laughs> like, I think there's so many quality things happening and Step Up to Quality helps to highlight that. Uh, yes, I do too. Well, let's, let's jump in. So Erica, you just shared as part of your story that you are a trainer and you actually train on both tools. We'll get maybe into that a little bit more towards the end of our podcast, but let's focus on the ERS. So the ERS is a tool that is a choice for our providers here in Nebraska with their journey uh, with Step Up to Quality. So tell us and tell our listeners a little bit about why you are maybe the number one cheerleader for the ERS <laughs> tool, Erica. Why are you passionate about training on this tool? You know, I when we talk about those ERS tools, we're talking about ITERS, which is for center-based infant and toddler, ECHRS, which is center-based pre-K age group, and then the FICRS, which is the home-based program. So we really can hit all the age groups depending on which tool you're using. And I think what I really like about this tool is it encompasses so much of what is going to determine the quality of the child care children are receiving. So you can think about it as breaking it down into three basic needs that children have when they're in child care, the health and safety aspects. So we want children to feel good. We want teachers to feel good because teachers are going to be more patient. Children are going to be ready to learn when they have good hand washing in place, when there's good table washing, when all those health pieces are in place, it's going to impact their care. So that's a piece of those ERS tools. Then we're looking at those positive relationships, right? So that's those interactions between the teachers and the children. That's what's building that community within a classroom, that love. When you go in there, you can just, you can feel those connections in a classroom, right? That positive relationship. Those are pieces that are in these ERS tools. And then kind of the third big overarching, you know, idea behind these ERS tools is the opportunities for children to experience a varying type of materials, so the classroom is full of different types of materials for the children to experience. And beyond just having them in the room on the shelves is children's ability to access those materials. So accessibility is a huge term for these ERS tools because you can have the best materials in the world and your classroom can look like a catalog. But if those children don't get access to those materials, or when they do play with them, those teachers aren't interacting. Mm -hmm. it, it's not as meaningful. We know that that's how this age group learns. Zero to five learn, holding on to material, tactile, engaging in conversation and learning in those moments. So I do, I appreciate that these tools encompass all of those pieces and work together. Yeah, I love how you mentioned it determines the quality of care. And for me, what sold me on the ERS was there was one time I was going through a training and someone explained it to me as looking through the lens of the child. And I was like, bam, I'm I'm on. Yes. <laughs> I'm in. Help me in. Yes, we need this. Like, it, how does it impact us? So, Natalie, I want to know a little bit about your experience with 
the Fickers, since you are a family provider. And I want to know how has the ERS tool, specifically the Fickers, helped to support you as a provider? So since I am a, a family child care, um, I do operate under the Fickers uh, environmental rating scale, and it's been a roadmap for my environment and how I can best set up and maintain my program and practices. The ERS is chock full of developmentally appropriate and best practices, and I use the tool as that, simply a tool, something yep. to aid me in my program. It's not an end-all be-all. There are scale items that I don't necessarily agree with, and therefore <laughs> I don't spend as much effort trying to achieve the ERS's definition of best practice. At the end of the day, I have the ability as a family child care business owner to decide what bits and pieces I want to achieve and maintain from the ERS. And that's that. Observations can be nerve wracking, feeling as yeah. being put under a microscope. And the observers are oftentimes just as nervous trying to observe and see your environment and materials as well as experiences in such a brief window of time. I would, I love that you said it's a roadmap it's a tool, it's a choice. Like it's really, as a provider, I'm able to decide, is this a point of my focus or is this maybe something I don't really need to focus on so much right now because it possibly is out of my control even. Um, Erica, do you have any follow-up remarks to what Natalie just said about that kind of being this choice roadmap? tool, not end-all, be-all. Talk to us from your trainer voice. <laughs> yes, I, I had the same thought. Those those are the two words that really jumped out to me too, Colleen, that roadmap of what to do because it's a guide, but it is not an all or nothing. And I do try to say that in my trainings all the time. Uh, there might be stuff that you don't have buy-in for because it doesn't match your beliefs. Maybe you don't feel like it's within your budget. It's not something you want to put the time into right now, but I love the way, Natalie, you said you can focus on the areas where you want to grow or you feel like are the most valuable to you, and you can push those other ones aside because it's not an all or nothing. And I think when people see these tools, sometimes they can feel overwhelmed by the mm -hmm. 35 different items, and there'll be one or two that they'll get hung up on because it's they think, I don't agree with this, or this is impossible. And it's just that forward movement. We always talk about making, you know, small changes, those 2% changes that then can lead to those big um, changes for the children. Yeah. Natalie, anything you want to add to what Erica just mentioned? She's nailing it. It's such a tool. It, it is not the end all be all. I just, I can't stress that enough. Although I needed that, that encouragement when I first learned about the tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Like when you were first learning about this, are you, did you kind of fall into that trap of what Erica was just, just describing about getting hung up on something and then over-focusing on it or what helped you kind of get over that? So when I first was introduced to, uh, to the Fickers, um, I wasn't very familiar with any sort of environmental rating scales. Mm -hmm. I wasn't any sort of observations. Um, it wasn't until I began diving deeper and, and striving for higher quality practices. Um, I dove deep into the book, like literally reading it straight through while riding as a passenger on a seven hour trip. 
<laughs> then I went back through on our way home and made notes and visualized my environment. And this is when my gears started turning as well as having frustrations along the way with a love-hate relationship with the tool. I'm a perfectionist. What can I say? I remember during one of the introductory training sessions from the state anchor at the time saying that the authors of the book created the different levels, but that sevens, the highest levels, were nearly unattainable. Hmm. This put a fire under my backside and literally made me angry. I, I, How dare the book judge me and tell me I'm not the best and doing my best and knowing for a fact that I'm providing an amazing experience and environment. And after having many come to Jesus talks with my step up to quality coach at the time, I realized that some of those sevens were definitely attainable and to let the feeling of perfection go. It's more, it's more of just a word than an actual thing, which is a hard pill to swallow. Um, With the new lens, I then embraced the tool even more and became sort of obsessed with learning and applying as much as I could from the materials and practices um, I can almost recite some of the scales word for word. And I, I know I'm kind of a nerd, um, but I'm okay with that. And it, it just it just goes to show that even though I was against it from the beginning, I mean, I, I was very overwhelmed. I was able to, you know, learn more about it and understand why those practices are there. Why? Yeah. Once I knew why, then I was like, okay, okay, this will be okay. I got this. Uh, I think what you're saying resonates with so many listeners about the seven. And I just kind of want to echo how you're saying it's not about the seven. And sometimes that's really hard to get over, especially you said you you labeled yourself type A, Uh, especially when you're you're really wanting to do everything right. It's not necessarily about being right. It's about doing your best with that why behind it. And I just really love how you highlighted it. And you led me right to my next question that I want to ask Erica about where it really is, in my opinion, um, all observational tools are really intended to be more of an opportunity for professional development. So how how do you view that, Erica? I know you're a trainer on ERS. You're the anchor. Like, what are your thoughts? Do you see it as professional development or PD as well? I hope so. That's how I see it. And I hope providers see it that way. Uh, It's challenging because to have an observation done, like Natalie mentioned earlier, for a lot of people, that's very nerve wracking because you have someone in your space, either in your home or in your classroom for two or three hours for these ERS tools, three hours, and um, they're writing stuff down and then you get that report and, you know, it's, it's a lot for providers, Mm -hmm. but I do really hope that um, people will see us as partners instead of police because we're not, I'm not as an observer ever trying to catch anybody doing anything. I'm just following the tool, following what's best practice and then giving back that information And sometimes we're able to see stuff that the teacher cannot see because they are busy doing other things, right? Because I'm standing in the background with my clipboard and I can tell you that 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 children sat down at lunch for lunch and 10 minutes went by before they ate. But you might not know that as a teacher because for you that 10 minutes, you were getting all the lunch ready and setting up the nap cots and you were busy, So just to be able to give that feedback back to people and say, oh, have you thought about this? Or did you notice this? 
And we um, really want to spread the message that we are also never scoring on how hard a teacher or a provider is working. It is not during that 10 minute wait, the teacher or the provider is sitting on their phone for 10 <laughs> minutes doing nothing. I literally never see this, right? What you see is the teachers working, moving, working so hard, but it goes back to that child's perspective that you talked about, Colleen, and from the Mm -hmm. child's eyes where the the children's needs being met in that time. And if Mm -hmm. they're not, and there's problems because of that, I hope the observation then gives that teacher a time to reflect and think back on what could be done differently. But truly, as an observer, we are seeing a snapshot of one day of one year when the hard work is being done by those teachers and providers every day. And we are there for a small snapshot of that. And that's all we can score off. And that's all we can give back that follow-up information. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned partners versus police. (laughs) Yes, I really hope our listeners are hearing what she's saying with that. There is not a single observer that works with Step Up to Quality who is coming in to try and make you have a bad day or have an I gotcha kind of moment. It is truly we're capturing a small part of a small part of your day, of your year, of your snapshot picture. It's PD for you. It is really just about growing. And I, I want to hear Natalie talk about if you've noticed a difference that having an observation like the Fickers can make with the kids that you're serving, the children in your care. How has it impacted your kiddos? It's it's created such a positive impact with the children in my care. Um it really makes you look at what your environment, how is your environment set up? Um, what are you offering? What materials? It kind of, because it has that guideline and uh, examples in the book, you really kind of take that back and you look at, okay, how you reevaluate mm-hmm. what you have to offer and how you can enhance it. And it has elevated the the materials that I have invested in um, for my for my childcare children, and then what I'm able to give back to them is so much more rich and enriching for the children. I love that. That's like big impact stuff. When we talk about it's elevating like what I'm interested in investing in with my materials, like I'm being really intentional. Every single material in your program should have a purpose and you should know what it is. It shouldn't just be, ah, just have this just because, or even because it's in the ERS, like there's a reason why it's in the ERS. So that intentionality behind that, I love that you said that. Natalie, I want to ask, a question from um, a provider lens. So we have two options. We we have the option of choosing a class assessment or an ERS, depending on what type of provider you are. And I feel like there may be two camps and I feel like we have a us versus them <laughs> mentality sometimes with these tools. and. I don't feel that way. I, you know, I see value in both, but I want to hear your perspective as a provider who is familiar with both options. I know a lot of providers because the Fickers has been the the original, the initial 
uh, environmental rating scale that we're all familiar with. And again, you either have a love or hate relationship with it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, and because it's so focused on uh, health practices versus the class model, which is more on relationships, since the since the figures model has updated and impl- implemented more of the relationships and social emotional um, mm-hmm. tactics, I feel like you know they're 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 two different beasts, but at the same time, the end goal is is very much the same. Yes, it's, I feel like there's you know it's the fence. You either you're either pro figures or you're pro class, whereas the the end goal is is really the same. And so to kind of straddle that, it, it's hard for providers. Change is hard when you're used to um, one form of observation or one form of uh, environmental rating scale. That's what you're used to. And if you don't like it, then a lot of people are are bound to ultimately love the, the other model simply because it's different and they don't like the other model. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, they're, they're both out for the same for the same purpose and the child at the end is is the person who is the end goal who we're supposed to be benefiting and so really they're they're two they're two and of the same yes i totally agree and before we hit record on this podcast i even said we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> it doesn't matter which one you choose you should still be doing all the things all the time with all the kids like And if we start seeing it, just like you said, Natalie, with like this end goal of, you know, what's the why behind these tools? Like it's to support kids. Erica, do you have thoughts on this? Because you also love both. So talk to our listeners about kind of what Natalie just shared. Yeah, I think that there has been this uh, maybe division that we're seeing more so now within providers because with Step Up to Quality, you have to choose one. one. But you can also do trainings on both. And yeah. I think that they both have such um, great potential for what they can, how they can impact centers and homes. So I, you know, you hate to miss out on the information from one by only staying on your train track. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have the opportunity to do the trainings for both of them. I think they really complement each other. At the end of the day, I say in all the trainings, whether it's a class training or ERS training, best practice is best practice. So no matter what you're learning skills that you're going to be able to implement and take with you into your, your classroom or your home. Yeah, it's. I agree. I think we need a paradigm shift with that mindset. Like there's no... We don't need to have camp ERS and camp class. It's camp best practice. Yes. <laughs> camp best practice. That's what yes. we all need to Sign try. me up. Sign me up too. There's no A versus B. Let's just all be looking to do what's best for our kids. I know something for sure that's best for our kids is having happy, healthy providers in their lives. So a theme that we've had this season for our podcast is this is also a self-care space for providers. So I want you both, if you're willing to share a little bit about how do you take care of yourselves? You're both busy mamas. You're both working lots. You have lots of things you're juggling. Like what's your self-care look like? Uh, Erica, why don't you go ahead and start? Yes, I think like Natalie said, she had a couple teenagers. I think I 
same. I have nine to 15. Nobody can drive. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I saw, you know, I knew we were going to talk about self-care and I thought, oh goodness, what am I going to say? But in thinking about it, I think that we do some things without even realizing it. Yeah. Right? What do you I mean, tell me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I do make time to exercise sometimes, mm-hmm. not all the time, not daily, but sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then this is kind of unique, but I took piano as a child for four years or so. And it was probably five or six years ago. Now I started teaching myself piano again. So oh. I started with my old piano books where the pictures are just huge and colorful. You know, they're made for children, level two piano. And (laughs) now I'm into the adult books. I'm like a legitimate adult, maybe low intermediate piano player. Uh, But I really do find that that helps my stress. When I feel stressed and my brain just gets going, 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 when I do play the piano, that has really helped. But I know that that's not an option for a lot of adults or you haven't thought about piano lessons since you were a child, but that's, that's my, so- I will say that's my self-care. <laughs> You're inspiring me to use the piano that's in my front room that sits as furniture. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> that's really? you That was a unique idea of what it looks like. Totally. Oh, I love that, Erica. That's so fun. <laughs> what about you, Natalie? How do you care for yourself so you can care for the kids in your program? Ooh, self-care. Well, what is that? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) When I first started caring for children, I didn't practice self-care. This ended up almost biting me in the rear as I could feel Mm -hmm. myself nearing burnout after eight years into the profession. My children had left the house and they were attending elementary school. And I found myself questioning if I was ready to go back to the corporate world. Around this exact time, Step Up to Quality was launching as well as other early childhood initiatives. I signed up for them and figured I had nothing to lose. And boy, was I right. I literally had nothing to lose and everything to gain. I reignited my passion for my profession. I dove even deeper into my business and I haven't looked back. I learned the importance of putting myself first. You cannot fill from an empty bucket. I can't stress that enough. You cannot fill from an empty bucket. And that is the truth. I took this advice quite literally and began began becoming intentional with working out, fueling my body with healthy foods, setting limits and boundaries. This is super hard for me. and, And I'm that perfectionist and a people pleaser. And I really focused on taking care of myself. I soon found out that I was influencing other providers and friends, and we began making ourselves a priority for the first time. It's tough for mamas to take time for ourselves, but even a five-minute shower or locking yourself in your room for some peace and reflection is something you cannot take for granted. Again, you cannot fill from an empty bucket. Oh, that's so well said. And it's so true. And it is hard for many of our listeners to say, I need this time or set a limit or even simple things like <laughs> I hide in I hide in my closet. Like I'll go hide. <laughs> I just need like a minute, man. Let me let me get back to being regulated so I can be a good version of me. Um, so I don't that's not when I'm like serving children. I'm talking about at home. I don't hide in the closet if I'm like substitute teaching. <laughs> Great clarification. Great clarification. Just saying, just just clarifying that, but that 
That's such an important thing for our providers to hear. Uh, Erica, Natalie, thank you so much for joining. I feel like we we met our goals. Like I really, our goal was really to share with listeners, you know, what, why ERS, like what's, what's in it for me? What does it do for my kiddos? Really trying to get away from this idea of we have to pick a camp. Uh, no. What did you say, Erica? Camp best practice. That's, that's what yes. we just, yeah. and we're all signing up for it. We're all, we're all enrolled. All enrolled. We're all in it together. Here we go. But thank you again for agreeing to be part of this. This was your voices are so valuable in especially this topic. And thank you, everyone, for spending quality time with us. Please join again as we chat about future topics to support our Nebraskan providers on their journeys with Step Up to Quality. Until next time. Bye bye.